welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to episode 16. Originally, I had planned on recording this before I left Italy, but as I got closer to leaving, I realized that it might be more interesting for me to record this after I had landed in New York, so I could kind of share with you all what the process of traveling was like. So that's what I'm going to be sharing with you in today's episode, as well as my kind of secret trick for booking flights, not only just to Italy, but anywhere in the world. Uh, Starting many years ago in my days of traveling all over for event and production design, I learned a few tricks, and I'd like to share some of those tricks about booking flights. It's a very, very simple method, but I have found that whenever I tell people how I do it, I find that there are very few people who use this method and who know about this method. Now, I'm sure that there are some of you listening who know about this and use this method yourselves, so obviously, bravo to you. For those of you who don't know about this particular method that I use for booking flights, it might change your travel, your air travel at least, the way it's changed mine. So I hope you find it helpful. So I'm going to do things a little bit backwards in today's episode. I'm going to start off by sharing our weekly proverb with you here at the beginning, because the particular proverb that I chose for this week's episode, I feel is very poignant. The proverb is this, la vita è un viaggio. Che viaggia viva due volte. La vita è un viaggio. Chi viaggia viva due volte. And that means life is a voyage. Those who travel live twice. And I don't know if you're truly living twice by traveling, but by traveling, your horizons are broadened, your mind is expanded. I think that a real traveler becomes less confident in preconceived ideas and maybe hopefully your mind becomes stretched. You become a little bit more open to seeing the world a little differently than the box that you, from which you started out life seeing the world in, just from your own little corner of the world. You know, we all start our lives in some corner of the world, whether it's a big city or a small town or a tiny village or in the middle of the country or in a cabin in the middle of the woods, wherever you happen to start your life. That's your vantage point. That's your point of reference. And the more that you see of the world, I think it's humbling. I think it is. It makes you aware that the world does not revolve around you and everything that you knew and know. Not that the, not that what you knew and grew up with is wrong, but I, I certainly think that it it makes you aware that you are a part of a greater family. Let's put it that way. So here's to an episode really focused on travel. This is the first major trip that I have undertaken since moving to Italy. And coming back to the United States and landing in New York, JFK Airport, by way of Amsterdam and Venice was quite an experience. So I'd like to share with you what the last several days have held and what that's been like traveling. So this past week, we had our COVID test scheduled. 
we had to have our COVID test taken and the results back, obviously before we could board the flight, but it had to be 72 hours before we were supposed to not only board, but arrive in our final destination. So our COVID test would be valid from the time we got our results all the way through the very final flight arriving in the United States. So I was really, really hoping that we could get a blood test done and that we wouldn't have to have those horrible probes stuck up our nose because I... Now, there are people who have had to have those COVID tests every single day. So I give so many props and I have so much respect for anybody who has had to endure that for a year of having those things inserted into your nose every day. But there are other methods, molecular methods of testing blood that are actually even more accurate. And I was hoping that we could we could have access to one of those type of tests. However, they were simply not available. And so without going to the hospital, which it just wasn't available at the hospital for you to go in for testing, there were just specific testing centers. And so after doing some research, we found out that we were not only not able to access a blood test, that wasn't even the specific type of COVID test that they were wanting at the airport and immigration and all of that. So we went to a very nice clinic where they were doing rapid tests where you got a swab at the back of your throat and a swab up your nose, which of course, uh, as has happened to me every time I've had to have one of those tests, I start sneezing and I my eyes start watering and I just kind of fall apart. I, I've got very, very, very sensitive sinuses and I just kind of turn into a coughing, sneezing, wheezing, teary-eyed disaster. And this, of course, this time was no exception. So after our COVID tests, we we kind of ran around and did a lot of last-minute things. I had some plants that I was growing. I had to make sure that I had someone to come and take care of those plants and water them. And I was bringing some art some paintings that I have personally painted over the last couple of weeks that I had to have packaged up and some art that I had purchased that I was taking back to family in California and some friends. And so we found a really wonderful place, actually mailbox, I think it's called um, mailbox company or something like that. Anyway, I thought it was a, an American company, but, and it might be, it might've started in the U S but anyway, there was a a couple branches of this mailbox company. And so we took all the paintings there and paid them 30 euros and they beautifully bubble wrapped and, and foam wrapped and completely wrapped up seven pieces of artwork for us for 30 euros ready to go on a plane. And I wasn't really sure I have never exported art from Italy before. And Italy does have some very strict rules about exporting art because they don't want their art, you know, leaving their country. And, you know, it would be sort of like, in a way, chipping off little pieces of some of the famous buildings here. You know, if everybody came and took a little piece of the leaning tower of Pisa, you know, there would be le nothing left leaning. There would be nothing left standing if somebody, you know, took a little piece of the Colosseum. So they're very protective over their art. And so 
I had to make sure that the artwork and the paintings that I was shipping out with me on the plane that I was checking in this big wrapped box, I had to make sure that none of those pieces of art fell under the very specific requirements that the Italian government has for their paintings leaving. You can do it. There's just, you have to do a certain documentation and there are multiple steps. So it has, there are, it's a long list of requirements and restrictions. Part of it has to do with, is the artist living or dead? And how old is the painting? And so fortunately, um, none of those pieces. And plus, I'm not reselling. That's another big part. I'm not reselling. These are these are pieces that, uh, in my own collection. They're not pieces I'm you know bringing back to the United States to sell. So that also m- makes a difference. So I was very curious. Are they going to make us o- open? You know, I was really hoping. Please tell me they're not going to make us open this box of paintings when we get to the airport. But thankfully, they didn't. So we had no trouble. The paintings went all the way through. We got into U.S. Customs. And no problem with the painting. So so that was wonderful. And and nothing was damaged. So all that wrapping job that they did was really great. So anyway, back to our COVID test results. A few hours after the test, thankfully, both got negative COVID test results. So we had to make sure that we had those printed out in English and Italian. And then we had to have a digital copy of those and a printed paper copy of those. And... We had kind of an interesting situation with Alessandro's ability to come back to the United States because he, while we were, while we were in Italy, the 10 year permanent resident green card that we had been waiting for, for him arrived. So we were able to have the person that was picking up our mail, we were able to have her take a photo, open the letter from FedEx and take a photo and send us a photo of that 10 year green card. And then prior to leaving, just to be on the safe side, last year, we went to the immigration office in New York, the UCIS office in New York City, and got a very special stamp on his passport, allowing him to travel and re-enter with an expired green card, provided that he had this very specific stamp in his passport. And then we also had, of course, a photo of the front and back of that new card, emailed to us. So we printed that out as well. So just to make sure, and in, even with all of that, we still had people questioning that stamp in his passport and we still had double checks. So we had to, we had to make sure all of our paperwork was in order. We had to make sure that our COVID tests and our self-declaration, I had to do a self-declaration for all the art that I was, that I was bringing back. So we had to kind of make sure that we had everything ready to go Another thing that was that was kind of interesting that I've never done before is in Italy, you're able to kind of turn on and off your car insurance. And so because we're not going to be driving the car for the next almost two months, we were able to suspend that car insurance for those couple of months. And then when we come back, we'll just start it up again because no one else is going to be driving the car while we're gone. And so it's parked in Nona's parking garage at the bottom of her building and it's sitting there waiting for us to return. So last week, the week that we left Italy was the week that Italy started to kind of truly reopen. Outdoor dining started again. I was out walking and I just, 
Italy looks different. Like Italy was really starting to look, feel, and sound very different. And it was kind of incredible. It was uh, encouraging. And there's certainly, with better weather, there's certainly a sense that we are out of the worst of it. And there's just there's just good news upon good news happening. Alessandro's mother was informed right before we left that she is able, and she's in her early 60s, she was uh, informed that she had a the following week her appointment to get her vaccine. So that was great. So that means that we are... We're now vaccinating people in their 60s and and even younger in Italy, which is wonderful news. So after going out and having a a meal outside and in some outdoor dining and and at a coffee bar with some of the family before we left, we kind of were able to say our goodbyes. It felt like we were preparing to leave for a long time. I mean, we're only going to be gone for five weeks, but for some reason it felt like, I, I think it's because every other time we've left Italy, it's been for six months or a year or even more at a time. So I think we're so programmed to when we leave Italy, like say a big goodbye, but we're going to be back before we know it. So anyway, so here's what we did. Packed up all the bags and we dropped Alessandro and all the bags at the train station in Coniano. And then I drove the car down the street, just five minutes, parked the car at Alessandro's grandmother's building and then after leaving the keys in the mailbox at Nona's house, I walked to the train station and met Alessandro. And we hopped on the 8 o'clock train to Venice, where we took a taxi from the train station with our two carry-on bags, our two personal items that we can carry on the plane, and the two checked bags. One was a piece of luggage, and then the other was the big box full of paintings. And so we took all of those and checked in, had the taxi drop us off at our hotel. We arrived at our hotel at around 10 o'clock at night in Venice, right near the airport. And then we went out and we were able to get a pizza before the pizza place closed and took it back to the hotel and then tried to get some sleep because we had to wake up the next morning at three o'clock in the morning because our flight was at six o'clock. So we had to make sure that we were ready to go because our taxi was coming at four o'clock to pick us up. And so our taxi in the morning, we loaded everything up. Our taxi took us to the Venice airport and we had to go through a whole rigmarole because Alessandro, the stamp on his passport, allowing him to come back into the United States was not something that is very common. It's just not something that's seen very often. So it had to be verified and And so that's part of the reason why we gave ourselves so much time at the airport was because we just weren't sure if we were going to have any issues getting back in. And so anyway, ultimately, they accepted our COVID test with no problem and the passport, Alessandro's passport and an expired green card along with it, along with the picture of his new green card. That's a 10 year green card. It was all accepted. And Nothing was, none of the bags were overweight. The box full of paintings, all packaged up, was accepted and went through. And there were no questions and didn't even have to show the self-declaration form for the paintings. And so then we hopped on our flight, which is a KLM flight, a Royal Dutch 
Airlines flight, which I find to be one of the best airlines that there is. I love flying them. And so we hopped on that flight. We sat on the the tarmac at the Venice airport for about 45 minutes longer than we had originally expected to because all the bags had been loaded onto the airplane. And there was a passenger or a couple passengers, I believe, that were supposed to be on that flight that didn't make it to that flight. And their bags had been already preloaded. So we sat there. I was sitting at a, on a window seat right on the side of the plane that they were putting the luggage in. And so while I sat and watched, they literally unloaded the entire plane, all of the luggage on the plane. And I watched them collect those three bags. And after they unloaded every piece of luggage, they reloaded it all back on the plane a second time. And finally we were off. And so we took off. It felt amazing to be flying again. And off we went. And I think it took us about two hours to get from Venice to Amsterdam. And we landed in Amsterdam. And Amsterdam is a pretty nice airport, I must say. And so we got in Amsterdam around 8.30, I think, in the morning. And so about an hour and a half later, we were on our next flight after we went through a whole nother round of showing our COVID tests and we actually had to go up to the counter before we got on our flight and the ticket agent at the counter had to call the U.S. consulate just to confirm that stamp on Alessandro's passport for re-entry. And so we got that verified. They looked him up in the system and so we were all good to go. They said, okay, now landing in in New York at JFK Airport is going to be even easier for you guys because they're already expecting you. You're in the system. All the, all the documentation has been updated for you. So you're good to go. So then we boarded that next flight in Amsterdam, which was in this time, this particular case, it was actually a Delta flight because Delta and KLM, of course, are partners. And so that's who we usually fly with. It's either Delta or a Delta partner like KLM or Air France. And so we were on that next flight, which was quite empty, I must say. The flight from Venice to Amsterdam was a little fuller. And I was surprised how many military personnel, U.S. military, there was. A lot of young men, a couple young women were on that flight and there were just a lot of bags, a lot of those big camo duffel bags from U.S. military. There is a NATO base not too far from the the city where we live. And so there is kind of a military presence in the area. And so there were, there were a number of military on that flight. So it was a fairly full flight, but then the flight back to the United States from Amsterdam to New York was not a very full flight at all. I would say it was probably at about, oh, maybe one-fifth capacity filled on that plane. And so we were able to really stretch out on that second flight, which was great because that was the longest flight. So we were able to get some sleep, watch some movies. And I, of course, like I always do, I even though I've done a lot of flying over the last 20 years of my life, I, every time I'm in the plane, every time I'm in the air, especially on a long haul flight, that's a multi-hour flight, like a seven hour flight, like this one was, I always have a period of time. And it's oftentimes after I wake up 
from sleeping. And I don't sleep very well on planes, but sometimes if I'm really tired, like I was on this flight, I'll wake up and I sort of have this moment where I'm just like, oh my God, I'm I'm in a giant tube, 35,000 feet in the air, flying in air that if I came in contact with that air outside, I would instantly freeze to death and my lungs would freeze and we would all be dead. Uh, you know, I start going down all the lists that we're traveling at, you know, six or 700 miles an hour right now in a, in a very unnatural human way to travel. And I, and then I start going out like how wondrous it is, the, the miracle of flight in general. And the fact that we're being served banana nut bread and three cheese tortellini and red wine and, and sparkling water and snacks on a plane equipped with bathrooms and entertainment and Wi-Fi. I know that we've all, as human, as human race, we've been flying for quite a while now, you know, we've been flying for a hundred years or, or more. And, and so it's, and I've done so much of it that you'd think that at a certain point, it just sort of becomes routine. But every single time I look out a window and I see clouds going past, or I see, I see the moon reflecting off of the water, or I see cities below, or mountains, or landscape, or whatever I am looking at out the window of a plane. I just, it never, ever ceases to amaze me what a miracle it is that we are able to do that. Yeah, anyway, I, I always have one of those moments, and I sure enough, I had I had one of those, those moments. <laughs> Somewhere over the Atlantic Ocean, I had one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, what's heck, what, what am I doing? This is not wise. This is not safe. <laughs> I don't know if it's any safer to be on a boat or on a ship crossing the Atlantic, but it certainly takes a lot more time. Speaking of which, that is something that I am looking forward to doing one day. And in fact, I think we might try to do that later this year, maybe when we come back to the United States in the fall. I've always wanted to do an Atlantic crossing, and there is a specific cruise line called the Cunard Line that goes from New York to the UK. I think they also go to Amsterdam and maybe somewhere in France as well. And I think it's called the Queen Mary, and it looks pretty pretty wonderful. I'm not a cruise person. I'm not one of those people that likes to hop on a giant floating hotel and cruise, but I... I kind of do love the idea of that, for example, that film that, you know, it's just one of those great films, An Affair to Remember with Cary Grant and Deborah Carr, where they are doing a transatlantic crossing going from, I think it was either France or Italy to New York. And just the glamour, the glamour of that and the, the event that they turned that kind of travel into. I don't know. I've also thought about how wonderful it would be to, you could do so much writing. You could write several chapters of a book while you're crossing the Atlantic. You could maybe almost write, you could write a huge portion of a book if you did a round trip. So anyway, I'm looking forward to to doing that particular type of crossing where you're really using a, a ship for transport across the ocean and not using it so much for tourism, but you're using it truly for transporting purposes. I don't think I would have one of those moments of, of like a freak out on a ship 
Although I've also never been on a ship that was going through a terrible storm. And so I've hit a decent amount of turbulence on planes, and I know how horrifying that feels. Anyone, any one of us who have been on a plane that has hit any kind of turbulence knows what a terrifying realization of how helpless you are in that situation. You uh, can basically do one thing, and that is sit there and hope and pray and maybe drink. <laughs> Maybe maybe if you have a tranquilizer pill or, or something to calm your nerves, you can take that. But otherwise, you are in the hands of the plane, the weather, and the pilots. And hopefully, they're all able to get you through. It's kind of crazy to be able to be, to be in the air flying for over seven hours, and you arrive, and it's only an hour after the time that you left the airport from at your at your original spot of takeoff. But we arrived in New York, and I have flown into New York, John F. Kennedy Airport, so many times. And when you land from an international flight, every single time I've done that, it has just been a long, grueling experience of waiting in long lines with just... It's such an enormous space that they use for processing everybody that comes off of flights. And and there's usually so many flights coming in all at the same time and so many people waiting in so many different lines. And and in the summer, you know, it's like hot and sweaty. It never seems like it's air-conditioned enough in that room and you're tired and you're standing and you're hauling your bags through these lines. And we got into that same space and it was empty. There wasn't, there was a, there was a time while we were waiting where we were the only two people in that entire, after everyone else from our flight had gone through, there was one girl on our flight who was actually coming into the United States to be an au pair in New York. And she was right ahead of us and they were, she was in the same line that we were in. And so after she went through, we were the only two people standing there in this entire warehouse-sized processing room. And I've never experienced New York City Airport and probably will never experience it that empty ever again. It was quite incredible. I, I must say, I've never, I've just, I, I never thought I would experience something like that. I wasn't complaining because I certainly, I don't love giant crowds of people. So I don't mind flights that aren't so full and, and, <laughs> rooms that aren't so filled full of people, especially during the pandemic. Anyway, so then we were able to get through. Alessandro had to do just a sort of go into, like he normally has to do, go into this back room and double check his documents. But while he did that, I went and got our luggage. Nothing was lost. Everything was fine. And by the time I got all our bags and got a cart and loaded everything up, he had gotten all his processing done and came out with this big smile on his face. And we got everything onto the SkyTrain. And then from the SkyTrain, we got off at Federal Circle. And from Federal Circle, we had a shuttle pick us up, take us to our hotel. And that's where I currently find myself. And so from here, we'll be going on to California and Tennessee and... We, there's a possibility we might even do a cross-country trip to come back because we have a flight to come back to Italy that leaves from New York and going to Venice on June 10th. And so we might, there's a chance we might do a cross-country trip from California to New York 
I've never seen Glacier National Park or Yellowstone National Park. And so I think it'd be kind of fun to see those. And even though I've driven cross country several times, I've never been to those two spots. So anyway, we might end up doing that. So that's, that's what it was like. Really, it wasn't so bad traveling our first trip leaving Italy since moving there. And I'm excited that we have our COVID vaccines scheduled for Monday. And so we will be fully vaccinated as of Monday, which I think is May 3rd. So hopefully we don't have any issues with those vaccines. I'm not, I'm not expecting to. We're actually getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is a single dose vaccine. So we don't have to go back. So I will let you know, this will be my last episode that I record before I release my five pre-recorded episodes over the next five weeks before I get back to Italy in the middle of June. And so I will give you an update on how this trip and coming back to Italy goes and what differences we notice once we get back to Italy. But I want to quickly share my technique for booking flights anywhere, specifically Italy, of course, but I'm going to use Italy as an example. But this is a technique that can be used when you're flying anywhere. And here's what you do. So I use an iPhone. You can, whatever kind of phone you use, it's totally fine for me. I'm going to my Safari browser and going to Google. And in the Google search bar, I am typing in the name of the city that I am leaving from and the name of the city I'm going to. That's all I'm going to be typing in. So let's just use, as, as an example, New York. So I'm going to type in New York. And then I'm going to type in the word to, T-O. So New York to we're going to say Naples, Italy. So you click on that first, you just click on, just, just hit search. And then the first thing that's going to pop up is something that's going to say Google flights or flights. And so this is a Google search product. And because Google is the most powerful search engine in the world, this is a technique that, in my opinion, is far superior to any other technique for booking flights. So once you've got that open, there's going to be a little and the first result that pops up, there's going to be a little arrow, a little blue arrow that says show flights. So you click on that. That takes you to a page. And so what I've got here is my, my top line says New York. My next line says Naples. And then it's got the dates. And this is where the magic comes in. So I've got it automatically filled in for me round trip, one person economy. That's already kind of pre in there. You can change round trip to one way. We're going to just, for the sake of this example, we're going to just keep it as, at a, as a round trip for one person flying economy class. Now it automatically filled in for me Thursday, May 20th, which is in 
basically 20 days. So it just kind of automatically gives you about a two or three week lead window because that's when the majority of people are booked their flights about uh, the most flights that people fly are booked about three to four weeks out. So it kind of auto generates. So it has me leaving on Thursday, May 20th, returning on Thursday, July 3rd, or excuse me, June 3rd. So a one week trip. So you just take your thumb and just click or your finger and just click on that first date, Thursday, May 20th. What happens, what opens automatically then for you is a calendar. And this is where it gets very interesting. So now I'm looking at a screen that shows me the month of May, but here's what's beautiful. It shows me the price to fly on every day in May. And then if I go to June, if I just scroll up with my thumb, it shows me the price to fly every day in June, round trip. And and I can go as far as, let's see, I can now I'm in October, November, let's see, it's going to generate prices all the way through December. So what I'm looking at here is, it looks like, in this case, the prices are actually quite stable. The price for a round-trip ticket from New York to Naples, right now, we're looking at an average price of about $520. But this is not always the case. In fact, this is unusually stable, these prices, because oftentimes the price fluctuates dramatically based on what date you choose to fly. And, And I have found that because my flights, my flight dates are typically flexible. I usually choose my trips based on the best flights available, not just the best prices, but the best flights. Meaning I would always rather do a nonstop flight, of course, than a flight where I've got two connections and a layover or something like that. So I'm going to click on, so because I don't have as much of a of a variation in prices here um, from this particular flight. I'm going tr- to try something different. I'm going to change this from New York to San Francisco, California. So SFO Airport. And I'm going to do that to Rome. See if that gives me any slightly different. Okay. So I'm going to click on the date again. So it's the same date still auto-filled for me. Thursday, May 20th to June 3rd. So I'm going to click on that date again. Now, here we go. Now, this is a better example of variation in dates. So now I'm looking at the full month of May. And here are here are the prices. This is what this is what's so beautiful about this method of booking flights. So I'm looking at May. So if you look at, for example, May 2nd, a round trip, a round trip. Now, May 2nd is like tomorrow. So that's, that's why, so that's why flying tomorrow would cost me for a round trip ticket, $1,300. But then if I fly on the third, I see that it's down to 1200. But if I fly on the fourth, it drops down to 772. That's only in like four days. But if I wait until the ninth, then it jumps back up to 862. If I, for some reason, on May 12th, the price jumps from the 11th, $730. It jumps up on the 12th 
to $1,132. The day after that, the 13th, it drops back down to $711. But as I look here, there are certain dates on the month of May that are shown in green. And they're shown in green because those are the cheapest dates to fly in the whole month of May. So on the 18th, for example, it's only $670 to fly round trip from San Francisco to Rome, round trip. So that comes out to about $335 round or each way. That's pretty reasonable to fly. Now I'm going to scroll down here to June and see what June is offering me. Now June, of course, we're getting more into summer and, and with vaccines becoming more available and people being able to travel more. It's just June is a much, you know, people are not in school in June. And so there's a lot more tourism happening in June. So if we look at the prices in June and July, on average, they're holding more steady. I don't see any prices, any flights in in the month of July that are under $600. And we go to August. I, now I'm starting to see some dates in August that are $600, $700. And then we start to get into September and I see the flights dropping. Uh, most, most of them are in the $600 range. Then we look at October. Let's see. Again, we're in the 600s. So that's kind of starting to stabilize. That looks like that's about the minimum the, the lowest that's going to go for that round trip ticket is going to be in the in the $600 range. But as you can see, that's some of those flights are are more than double what you would pay. So I'm going to click. So then what you do is you click on the date that you choose to fly. So let's say that I wanted to fly. I'm like, wow, I can fly in in three weeks. I can book a flight for on the 29th of May for that's that's Memorial Day weekend. I can book a flight over Memorial Day weekend to on the 29th of May to Rome from San Francisco. So I click on that date. A little round circle goes around that. And then I select the date that I want to return. So it's got a, a little round circle around the 29th of May. And then I scroll and I see, okay, what date is a cheap day to fly back? And I see the least expensive day is on the 5th of June. The prices to return on that day are only $628. So I click that. So now I've got the 29th circled and the 5th circled. And then I hit down below. So little blue button. I hit done. When you hit done, it takes you back to the original screen, but it, it has a whole bunch of flight options for you now. And it has all kinds of interesting information. So there's a little, there's a little message here that says prices are currently low, $97 cheaper than usual for those dates. And you can click on a graph that shows you what the normal prices are for those dates. And if I click on that graph, we're in a little green zone here. So $628 round trip is extraordinarily low for that particular flight. 
So then you start to see what are the flight options. And then, so here's what we're looking at. So that particular flight that is $628, the cheapest one, that is a flight with three layovers. That is not a nonstop flight. That is a flight that takes you to Zurich and Vienna. And it looks like there's one other stop in there whatever the BCN airport is. I don't know where that is. But anyway, that's taking you through three stops. That is not a very desirable flight. That's why that probably that's probably why that one is so cheap. Now, that is not always the case. Sometimes you can get nonstop flights. Here's some other flights that have one stop. But anyway, there's 49 flights showing here. So you can choose which flight you want based on how many stops there are. So I'm going to to make a video of this, and I'm going to put a video of me booking a flight, you're going to see the screen, and you're going to see all of this. I'm going to demonstrate all of this for you on an Instagram video. I'm going to upload it with the Instagram that I do on Monday when I upload this episode, so you can actually see me doing this search. And I'm going to do a couple different searches for different cities, so you can see me doing this in person. Anyway, I hope that's helpful for you. If you do, if you have questions about it and you're like, Nathan, you didn't explain it very clearly. I need you to answer a question for me. Reach out to me. I'm happy to to tell you anything if I, if I can help you. But it's, it's just a technique that I found. And so I find it to be such a powerful way to book flights because you can literally plan your entire trip around the best cheapest dates to fly. And oftentimes the reason that those dates are cheap is because they're not popular dates to fly, which means you're also flying on dates that fewer other people are flying on. So you're not going to be crammed shoulder to shoulder quite as much with everyone else. I love to fly on dates that other people and fly times of the year that other people are not flying as much. So anyway, I hope you find that to be helpful. I was excited to share that with you in this episode. So that brings us to the end of this episode and to our surrounding sounds section. And of course, the surrounding sounds for this episode are going to be the sounds of what it was like flying from Northern Italy near Venice in Conegliano, taking the train, going to Venice, spending the night, getting up the next morning, flying to Amsterdam, and flying from Amsterdam to New York. So that is that is going to be a lot of little clips of what it sounded like on that sort of travel, those two travel days. So enjoy those sounds, and I will be back after to say goodbye. Can you 
seduti dalla fila 7 alla fila 25 di imbarcarsi attention please invite passengers to sit in from, from row 7 to row 25 to board and passport please next please grazie va bene grazie thank you ladies and gentlemen from Flyvec They found the three pieces of luggage. Uh, they need another uh, five to ten minutes to uh, get the other luggage uh, back into the vault. Uh, we will do our utmost best to uh, make good some time on our way to Amsterdam. Apologies for all the inconvenience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the airport of Schiphol, Amsterdam. Please remain seated until the fasten seatbelt sign has been switched off. Be sure to remove any personal belongings before leaving this aircraft. And don't forget to check the seat pocket and the luggage pins. Like I already mentioned, we're gonna be arriving at gate D68 and you may now use the cellular services of your mobile phone and tablet again. Thank you for choosing KLM, the Royal Dutch Airlines. This flight is operated by KLM in cooperation with their SkyTeam partners. And on behalf of KLM, we wish you a very pleasant stay. And if you still are traveling further, a very pleasant and safe continuation of your journey. While disembarking this aircraft, ladies and gentlemen, please keep the distance. That's also in a terminal building. And if you are traveling from a red or orange risk area, you are advised to go in self-quarantine for 10 days. Thank you, Thank you. Welcome aboard, and thanks for flying with Delta. Our first priority on every flight is the health and safety of our customers and crew. So before we depart, please pay attention to this important safety message. Be sure that all carry-on items are securely stowed in an overhead bin and place smaller items, including handbags, under the seat in front of you. If you lose your electronic device in your seat, please do not adjust your seat and ask a crew member for assistance. Please ensure that all aisles, exits, and bulkhead areas are clear. It's our pleasure to welcome you to New York JFK, where local time is 11.58 a.m. Please stay seated with your seatbelt fastened and your carry-on item stowed. Until the aircraft is parked at the gate, the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign. Yeah. Where are you coming in from? 
Where are you coming in from? Where? Where are you coming in from? Oh, sorry, Amsterdam. The purpose of your trip? Um, I'm going to work at an affair. Let me get the I-2019? Yes. Level 3, air train, going up. E, J, and Z train service. Please take your belongings. Hey guys, anybody need to pick up a car? No. Thank you. You need to pick up a car, sir? Nope. Just hotel. I hope you enjoyed those sounds from our trip out of Italy to New York this week. Thank you so much for coming back and joining me for yet another episode and another week. I am so excited to continue sharing this exciting, crazy, unprecedented year of our lives that we're all living right now. And I'm really, really hoping that those of you who are so anxious to get into Italy and to start traveling again, those of you who have gotten your vaccines and you are just waiting for the green light to be able to travel, not only just to Italy, but to anywhere in the world to see family to visit friends, to go places that you have been wanting to go for the last two years. I'm so excited for all of us to be traveling again, a version of life that we took so much for granted just a year ago. So I hope you're doing well wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice from in the world right now. I hope that there's a smile on your face, that your heart is filled with hope and joy and dreams that you never give up on until you achieve. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out, sharing your messages, for leaving your reviews on the podcast, and for your support. It means the world to me. You mean the world to me. So until next week, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.